me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of B. Algeria and Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 5. And the respondent in this case, B, has been anonymised because he was a suspected terrorist who had previously been detained under the Anti-Terrorism, Crime and Security Act 2001. In the summer of 2005, the Home Department, by authority of the Secretary of State, took the decision to deport B to Algeria on the grounds of national security, and so he was detained. B then brought an appeal before the Special Immigration Appeals Commission. Before he could be transported back to Algeria, one of the problems faced by the Home Department was that particular country's poor human rights record and so attempts were made to get assurances from the Algerian government that they would not breach Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which is the prohibition of torture, inhuman and degrading treatment. Eventually, the Commission found that there were grounds for deportation. Beyond this, they also sentenced B to four months imprisonment because it transpired that he had assumed a false identity and then continued to lie about it even when the court ordered him to reveal his true identity. Once B had completed this prison sentence, he was released, but this was subject to certain bail conditions. The main issue in this particular appeal starts to reveal itself when in 2014, the Special Immigration Appeals Commission found there to be no genuine prospect of actually being able to deport B back to Algeria successfully. And so the basis for detaining B also dissipated at the same time. In other words, if B isn't actually going to be deported, then there is no legal justification for continuing to hold him under Schedule 3 of the Immigration Act 1971. The bail conditions imposed on B were also relaxed, but there was an argument put before the Commission that if there was no basis for detention anymore, then there was also no basis for the bail conditions either. They rejected this argument, and so did the High Court on appeal. B was, however, successful in the Court of Appeal, and although the conditions have since dissipated because of B's successful appeal against the substantive arguments for deportation, this question has been passed to the Supreme Court for them to set a precedent. The five justices pointed out that part of the relevant law when looking at this area are the Hardale Singh principles that come from an immigration case in 1983 and set out the limits to the power of detention under paragraph 2 of Schedule 3 of the Immigration Act 1971. In particular, these are, firstly, the Secretary of State must intend to deport the person, and can only use the power to detain for that purpose. Secondly, the deportee may only be detained for a period that is reasonable in all the circumstances. Thirdly, if, before the expiry of the reasonable period, it becomes apparent that the Secretary of State will not be able to effect deportation within a reasonable period, he should not seek to exercise the power of detention. Fourthly, and finally, the Secretary of State should act with reasonable diligence and expedition to effect removal. This case is, of course, actually to do with bail rather than detention, But the principles are relevant because essentially we are asking what conditions are available once these thresholds are reached. There was an argument that by taking a purposive approach to the law, bail conditions could still be imposed if the individual in question could hypothetically be lawfully detained. 
But as we discovered in an earlier episode of this podcast at the start of 2018 involving Gibson, an important rule of interpretation is that any approach that would operate to deprive a person of their liberty will be viewed by the courts in a very strict and restrictive manner. With that in mind, that particular argument was rejected by the justices. Going on to provide a tighter interpretation, it was in fact held that in order to grant bail under paragraphs 22 and 29 of Schedule 2 of the Immigration Act 1971, a person not only has to be lawfully detained, but their detention has to continue to be lawful. And if that, at some point, no longer remains the case, then the power to grant bail also evaporates. This approach also helps to deal with another argument put forward by the Secretary of State, whereby the inability to impose bail conditions would create a number of practical and administrative difficulties. The Justice's response to this was actually quite simple. Tough luck. If the law as it stands is not ideal for the government to operate an effective immigration system, then it is up to the government to actually change the law. It's not the job of the courts to interpret legislation in such a way as to help the government deprive people of their liberty, as previously discussed. In the end, it was this almost ethical distinction, alongside the principle that bail should presuppose detention, that allowed the court to find in favour of B. Overall, I think that most people would agree with this reasoning from the Supreme Court. While it is true that no one wants to see a suspected terrorist free to walk the streets, there is a general principle of criminal justice that detention precedes bail conditions. The real question is whether Parliament will agree. Throughout the judgment, it was made very clear that in order to get beyond the reasoning taken by the court, there would have to be explicit language to the contrary within the legislation. It's perfectly possible that the government will take the Supreme Court at its word and enact such legislation, but that would set a worrying standard for civil liberties in this country. Once that element of control over the individual exists within the context of immigration law, there would be very little to prevent it being applied to criminal law in general. In this instance, the human rights arguments surrounding Article 5 and the protection of liberty were not discussed as the question was resolved before we got to that. But it is not beyond the realm of possibility that the court will be forced to take this argument much more seriously as the government continues to increasingly take a much harder line when it comes to immigration. Well, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provides the theme music. As ever, if you do get a chance to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that is always very much appreciated. If you have any questions or queries about the podcast, you can get me on Twitter, I am at Marcus Cleaver, or use the contact form on my website, uklawweekly.com. Thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you again next week. Bye!